Have you noticed the not too prophetic art on, on the wall? I don't think that's in the same standard as the prophetic art that we were having the other week. But um, if you haven't noticed already, don't you really sense that there's the authority of God is here? That our God is a great, great God. Amen? That he is mightier than anything else. That he was before all things and he will be after all things. He is bigger than you will ever, ever need him to be. He is a greater healer than you will ever need him to be. He is a greater peace bringer than you will ever need him to be. Our God is an awesome God. Amen? And that, Lord, we just let... Just close your eyes. And we just let that truth just settle in this place. That you are awesome in all your ways, O oh Lord. That you are great that you are big, that you are mighty, that you are sovereign, that you were before all things and that you put all things in place. And yet you are concerned as to how many hairs I have on my head. You are awesome. You are awesome in this place. You are awesome in this world. And you are awesome in my life. I declare it in faith. That God is the God of all things in my life. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> now normally uh, when you have uh, like a Darren Andrews. The, the, uh, the tall handsome one at the back uh, there. Uh, his only problem is he's a geography teacher. Um, <laughs> And that whenever he comes and, uh, you know, he could have picked a proper science, you know. Uh, but anyway, so his wife's a chemistry teacher and they have, the, I'm just expressing what goes on in there across their breakfast table uh, all the time. Why didn't you do a proper science, darling? Geography is a proper science, darling. No, it isn't. It's about colouring. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, who, do, who did, you know, when you were 15 and 16, did geography? Yeah, who, who would, in their sort of, you know, those sorts of years, who knows the most thing you did was colouring? And actually, the, the feedback that you got was, did you use blue for where the oceans would be? Yes. Did you cross the lines? No. A star. You know, uh, how, how easy is it? But anyway, so when, when, Darren, when Darren comes up and, and, and preaches, then inevitably he brings something of geography to... to give picture and give reality to how amazing God is. Now, I think, so they probably, you know, when they go and do geography at university and A-level, they probably take it a little further. But, um, uh, so, you know, when he brings, you know, geology and how the rivers flow and how this happens and, 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 and how mosses turn into trees and all this sort of stuff, and, and they all end up being perfect specimens. See, I do listen to your preachers. Then... Uh, he, talk, he, he uses the natural world to explain of the glory of God. Yeah. Amen? Now, I'm, I did a proper set of sciences uh, 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 in, in my education. Uh, and what I do, if you don't know, so, um, so uh, I look after there's a, a company in, in Hull called Smith & Nephew. 
Uh, we happen to be uh, the world's largest um, uh, manufacturer and developer of wound care products. So when you have, uh, not, not your little sticky plasters, but if you've got horrible, nasty wounds, then uh, uh, we get used on to like chronic wounds, long-lived wounds, all this sort of stuff. When you see these guys coming back from you know, Afghanistan and Iraq in, in the recent years gone by, you would see the Smith & Nephew things and products keeping them alive and all that sort of stuff. So we do some, we do some really sort of cool, inventive stuff. And my job uh, is that I'm head of research and development, which is basically um, head of playtime. Because, uh, uh, and they give us millions of pounds and, uh, every, every year, and we spend that money on inventing stuff. And so, you know, what's my, my remit? Well, they sort of, you know, deliver this and deliver that. But I have this huge section in my job description, which is just invent stuff. And, and it's, just, it's just cool. And so I'm going to use a little bit of that sort of interest in science to uh, talk about the greatness of our God. And we're going to finish in that place because what God put on my heart is there's some people here who you need to know your God is a great, great God. For whatever you're going through, for what you know, James uh, was just you know, praying about, you know, tough stuff happens because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. But our great, great God invaded that world through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he made a way where there is no way through the blood, of his, uh, the, the blood and life that he shed on that cross. And that thing that split between the seen and the unseen, that curtain was torn. And God made a way where there is no way. So we could all pass through into the greatness of what God has provided in Jesus' name. And some of us here in this room, either it's for you yourselves or for your families, you need the greatness of God. You don't need just a bit of God. You need the greatness of God to turn up in your life. And he never, ever fails, is my declaration at the the beginning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, um, uh, you know, as with with Darren Darren does it with uh, geography, and then, uh, you know, I just want to do it a little bit with science. But just to give you another example of what I mean. So my nature... um, uh, so I'm, I'm at work, I'm a naughty manager. Um, now it helps I'm being the boss uh, because I have a boss who's uh, uh, 5,000 miles away uh, in Australia and he thinks I'm really good so he lets me get away with murder. <laughs> so um, uh, now the thing about being a, a naughty boss is you're giving permission to the people who work for you to make mistakes because you're saying stretch your boundaries, be an explorer, be an adventurer, go for it, don't mind your P's and Q's and that your reports need to all have I's and T's dotted and crossed all in the right places. That doesn't matter, what matters is are you pushing your boundaries? Are you exploring? Are you pushing the limits? Are you not just sat there as some little, in my world, a religious nobody who is just sitting and sticking to the rules? We don't want rule keepers, we want people, because most of the rules on our lives are not imposed by the Bible, They're imposed upon us by culture, society, fear, anxiety, all those things. I will break every rule of anxiety that seeks to impose itself upon my life. And I want to encourage others to do that. So in my department, I am known as the naughty manager. Everybody wants to come and work for me. Why? Because I allow, I create freedom. Because fundamentally, part of what we do is we create the future in our little world uh, of, uh, uh, of helping people's lives. So we've got to get, get into that place. Why do you think Jared stands up here and behaves as a naughty pastor? <laughs> it's the same spirit. He wants every single one of you to step out of fear. 
Now, he can't sit around and have detailed conversations with each one of you, but what he can do is create an environment which says, push your boundaries, say no, say why not, rather than say, should I, how far should I go? And just keep going in Jesus' name. Amen? You set a freedom by being. Now, we call it naughty. It isn't. It's not rebellious. It's just, I will not be constrained by the rules of this world. Jesus set me free, and I am free indeed. Amen? Now, if you walk into my uh, department to work, they, they won't use those words, but I take all the biblical pr- principles and scriptures of Christian leadership, and I impose them in my, in my workplace. Uh, it's cool. We have a big board of these are the values that we have as our department, and they're all written in code, but every single one of them, you would, if you know your Bible, you would recognize them as biblical scriptures and principles, and these are values that we take. Um, and uh, we express that and then allow, whether they're Christians or not, people to blossom in Jesus' name. Because the righteous and the unrighteous will prosper when the church prospers. Amen? The world prospers when the sons and daughters of God arise and take their place. So I express my nature and people um, experience that nature and they they form judgments and whatever and they just call me the naughty manager. Um, uh, But that's, you know, when we do that, when you you look at the Bible, you see the nature of God. Amen? So uh, if you go to Genesis, you know, let's just start at the first verse of the first bit. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Nothing was happening. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So what's his nature? You see two things, really three things. The third one is implied. And then God said, you see the, the authority of God, you see the spirit of God hovering over that set of circumstances. And the second thing you see happening, and the word of God turns up. You see the power of God, you see the authority of God, you see the, that sense of those things two coming together. Now the bit that's not, is not expressed, but isn't it clearly implied, is faith. I think when God the Father is talking to the Holy Spirit, there isn't too much lack of faith going on. Uh, there is faith going on. So those three things are taking place right in this, in this very place, which is expressing some of the nature of God. God's nature is expressed when you have his word, his power, and faith. And what you see here is the faith in that God can do anything. Because you had nothing going there. You had darkness, void, formless, and God's authority and God's word and God's power turned up, and then you have the answer in Jesus' name. He loves that. That's his nature. He, he, his nature is, I love nothing happening. I love disaster. I love formless and void. I love no hope. I love destruction. Because I turn up with my love, with my power, with my authority, and I declare that there is a different day coming tomorrow in Jesus' name. His nature loves this. This is, this is his nature. In, in Genesis uh, uh, chapter 1, just verse, a little bit wait, later, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, like us, like uh, in our likeness, and let them do what? Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and have, carry what? His authority into whatever they're going into. 
God wants you. His nature is for you to carry his authority and his faith, and he will turn up by his spirit and turn up with his power for you to rule and to reign and to have expression of the love of God into whatever you're going into. Chapter 2, verse 8, what's his nature like? Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in uh, in Eden, a place of pleasure and a place of more than enough. That's his nature, more than enough. And there he put a man in it and formed, and the God made all kinds of trees to grow at the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye. God loves beautiful things. He doesn't like disaster and mess. He loves things being beautiful and good for food. I like this bit. <laughs> God made, made, he made trees that were good for food. I don't think that's an apple tree. An apple tree is adequate I I think there were salmon trees and steak trees and burger trees, but not just McDonald's, but, you know, juicy, dripping burger trees. These are are good trees in Jesus' name. Remember, we live in a fallen world. I think there were some better trees going on in the Garden of Eden. I'm praying for it in heaven. And uh, this isn't doctrine, by the way. This is Stuart making this bit up. And in the middle of the garden uh, were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, uh, rivers and all the rest of it. And, 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 they, and then God told them where the gold was. But he didn't just tell them where, the good, where any gold was. He told them where the good gold was. How much does God want you to have good gifts? How much does he want you to have a good life? Not a struggling, suffering life, but a prospering life. His nature is right at the very beginning of this, of, uh, of this Bible. Uh, aromatic resins what's that for what's, in, what's the purpose of an aromatic resin smell nice he wants you to have nice things what's onyx for I'm an, I'm an, actually I'm an engineer so I actually do understand materials and all the rest of it what's onyx really good for looking pretty that's its purpose on planet earth It doesn't do anything ever very well, but it polishes up beautifully. Why did God tell Adam and Eve where the onyx was? He wanted them to have pretty things. Why did he tell me where my wife was? I just just thought of that one. He wanted me to have pretty things. Why did Sandra find out where I was? your gold you see Uh, the Lord God put the man and told him to do what to take care of it now that take care of it actually has a military sense to it a sense of expression of the authority that God gave him right back in Genesis chapter 1 so what's his nature his nature is to defend the good things of the kingdom what's our nature as Christians to defend the things of the kingdom and to advance them in Jesus name because we have an enemy. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The, his nature is, you can have all of this, but 10% is mine. You can have all of this goodness that I've put in your life, but 10% you need to give to me. You need to reserve to me. Why? Because it's holy, because it makes everything else holy. Amen? So what's his nature? His nature is in here. Where else is his nature? His nature is in science and all of creation all around us. Amen? Amen. 
Now, who knows about dark matter and dark energy? Apart from my family that I've been preaching this to them all week. <laughs> uh, so if you go onto NASA's website, they'll tell you about dark energy and dark matter. There's a teleprogram that's rubbish, uh, about sort of dark matter or something like that. Uh, not that. In the world of science, now how big is the universe? Now sometimes I struggle to see to the end of my living room. Uh, seeing to the end of my circumstances, God made the universe. Amen? And there's some fabulous you know, videos and things on YouTube as to, you know, Christian, about how big the universe is. And it is mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing about how big the universe is. If you had forever to travel at speed of light, you would, it would just take you forever to see everything because it is just so ridiculously vast and all the rest of it. Now, what NASA have discovered is that the visible universe is only 5% of the universe. There is another 20 times more in the universe that you can't see or perceive, except by the use of gravity. Okay? I'm just teaching you something. You can go, ooh, to turn to someone and go, ooh, gravity's handy. <laughs> so gravity is the thing that keeps us to the ground. Now, does, is, does gravity work? Yes. Yeah, so if I, if I drop this microphone, uh, two things will happen. One, Darren will beep me up for breaking one of his microphones. And the second thing, it will go uh, at a, a constant acceleration towards, uh, towards the floor. And then it will stop. It's not letting go that causes the damage. It's the stopping in a hurry that causes the damage. Now, gravity is actually a very, very weak force. The reason we feel it very strong is how far am I away, am I away from the surface of planet Earth? I'm on it. So... Gravity is expressing a very, very weak force, but because I'm stood on such a massive lump of rock, and I'm very, very close to it, it feels like quite a strong force. But actually, in the universe, the gravity pull is extremely weak. And gravity bends light. And when they actually work out you know, how much light is being bent when you look at a star, it's being bent too much. When they actually look at the galaxies, which are all, you know, you see these pictures of spiral spinning galaxies, they're all spinning at the wrong speed because there's too much gravity going on out in space. And when you actually look at the end of the universe, this is what NASA say, uh, when you look at the end of the universe and you go with the theory of the Big Bang, I'm not saying Big Bang right or wrong or another, right, but most scientists say, uh, you know, Big Bang is, you know, how it all started. Uh, it's, uh, you got a big bang, now when you go bang, then everything shoots out jolly fast, and then over time it should slow down. So when I fire a bullet, so I used to, when I was uh, a child and before gun laws came in, I used to shoot things. Uh, uh, sorry kids these days, it's really health and safety has taken over. Uh, so I used to sh shoot things, uh, including my little brother. Uh, then uh, you, you could you know, shoot things, and when you fire a, a bullet out of a gun, then when it reaches the end of the gun, so it's accelerating along the barrel, and as soon as it's free from the barrel, it immediately starts to slow down. What they discovered was, um, when they were actually looking at what's happening to the speed of the universe, it's speeding up. So if it's going to be speeding up, there needs to be something that's pulling it along. The other thing that they discovered is right at the very edge of the universe, okay, so we'll pretend Steve is the edge of the universe. 
So right at the very edge of the universe, here is stuff. Here is you know, matter and important stuff. Oh, we'll do it the other way around, because here's, here's stuff. Hello, stuff. So uh, we have the edge of the universe here, and there we have nothing. But actually what they discovered was nothing isn't nothing. There's something already there. At the edge of the universe, there is something that is pulling the universe towards it. How cool is that? Now, is that heaven? I'm not at all saying this is that or that is this. But there is in our universe, 5%, if you had all the time in the world, all the time and all the speed and all the ability to go to all parts of the universe, you would only discover 5% of God's creation. There is a whole realm of the natural world. This is natural world. There is a supernatural world on top of this. There is a whole realm of the natural world which is unseen. Now, who made the heavens and the earth? God did. Whether he chose to do it through a big bang or through something else, I'm not that bothered. What I'm really bothered about is God is the author of all things. And science is discovering that even if you could see all of the known universe, there's another 95% which is unseeable. And the only reason that it can determine it is because actually gravity is behaving awkwardly across the universe. And when you do the simple maths, because actually the gravity calculations are very simple, you can actually determine how much energy or mass needs to be out there for things to be behaving out what they're doing. And basically what they discovered was, oh my goodness, there is 20 times more that is unseen than, than is seen. Now that is God's nature. In the fingerprint of creation, you can see the handprint of God. His nature is so much bigger than what you can see. His nature is so much more powerful than what you can perceive. His nature, if he has gone to the bother of putting all this in place. Why? He is just declaring that one day when science wakes up and catches up, there's a big, big universe out there. It, science, can declare the glory of our God. In Jesus' name. Isn't science better than geography? Now, natural things can't interact with it. So science, apart from gravity, science, science is having a real struggle, struggle trying to actually see and measure this thing. But you can't interact it. Um, now, Colossians 1, verse uh, 15. Hold God's fingerprint of what I've just been describing. That's his nature. And this is his truth. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If it wasn't for this dark matter and this dark energy, our universes wouldn't hold together. There wouldn't be enough gravity to hold us in orbit. There wouldn't be enough gravity for galaxies to spin in the way that they do. There wouldn't be enough gravity for planets to come round um, suns. 
This dark matter, if it wasn't there, this dark matter holds the universe in place. And God made it. In him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God is supreme in all things. For God was pleased to have all his fullness. God is big. God is big. God is bigger than your biggest fear. God is bigger than your biggest problem. God is bigger than your biggest illness. God is bigger than your biggest loneliness. God is big. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, not just people, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you in his sight that sees the seen and the unseen. God sees everything. Just because you close the door doesn't mean he can't see you. He sees everything. He sees the seen and the unseen in you. Present you holy in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation. Just an amazing set of scriptures when you start to understand the enormity of actually God's creation that sort of sat out there. Amplified, Hebrews uh, 1 verse 3. So this is just the first half of, uh, don't read the Bible in the Amplified, it just takes too long. Read little scriptures in it, it's really good. So this is um, Hebrews 1 verse uh, uh, 3. The sun is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah unrestricted glory, the light being the brilliant light of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence and upholding and maintaining and propelling of all things the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal. These are the words that are in Scripture. These are the words that are in Scripture. When these words were written, they didn't know about the Hubble telescope. They didn't know about NASA. They didn't know about the internet. that You could go up and actually find out and discover about dark matter. These guys didn't know anything. This was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That is describing what science is only just discovering. That in all things, he sustains all things, upholds all things, and propels all things through space. He is our big, big God. He is our big, big God. Revelation 4 verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things by your will, and they were created and have their consistent, sustained, ongoing being because of you. In the same way that dark matter holds the universe together and stops it just spinning out of control and us being essentially lots of little bits and we'd all have our little rock that we'd be standing on with no atmosphere, very briefly, just before we died. <clears throat> Without dark matter, the universe is not sustained. Without the word of God, all that dark matter and the visible matter isn't sustained. Dark matter is just created stuff. Uh, the actually scientists, scientists call things cool names. Um, uh, we have uh, at work, we're, we're inventing a ray gun that heals um, dead 
tissue and that brings, or, or dying, we call it insulted tissue. So what we do is we grow tissue in, uh, not, uh, so we used to, in the olden days, we used to use uh, uh, animals and people to experiment on. These days, mm, health and safety. Then, uh, 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 well then what we have to do is actually grow cells in essentially little petri dishes, and then you go and, uh, then you go and do experiments on them. Much more fun when it was people. Uh, then, uh, um, staff that you don't like, wonderful job. <laughs> This is a super opportunity for it. You'll appreciate it in the years to come. Uh, so, and you take these cells um, and then you insult them, which is you've got naughty cells. Uh, uh, and what you do is you actually take them to near death. And then what we were trying to do was actually we had this essentially uh, this ray gun and then you fire this ray gun at it um, to, and it actually kicks them back into life again. But actually what we discovered, we actually we'd, we'd, um, uh, designed a death ray. So we insulted, <laughs> we insulted these uh, uh, in cells and then just as they were going, I give in, I'm really sorry, ha, boom, and, uh, and killed them. So, you know, we invented a ray gun, a real ray gun. We haven't told the British military about it. If you turn the volume down from 11 down to about 0.5, then something actually matters magical happens, all these cells come back to life again. But uh, that's, a, that's a trade secret within Smith & Nephew, don't, don't tell anybody. Uh, then, uh, because I'm the boss, I can be naughty and tell these things. <clears throat> so, uh, where were we with that? It was just cool. Yes, so scientists do, you know, we, we, so we actually call this project, it's now called Project Death Ray, because we just, we just want to be able to call these things. Now, scientists have actually um, uh, called these particles which are all around, society, uh, around these, these things that have got this huge gravimetrical effect, they've called them WIMPs, for uh, weakly interacting massive particles. And you're going to sat, sat, see a bunch of scientists sat there going, and they're on a whiteboard, and they go, ooh, ooh, I've got one, WIMP! And then you can go, and you, go, you just think, at another level, geography people might be, you know, doing just colouring, but I think they're probably less nerdy than the scientists who think WIMP is an exciting name to call something. So, hello, Darren. <clears throat> How do you interact with the not interactable with? You're, without Jesus, your God, you cannot interact with him. God in creation, in the visible and invisible creation, he has created a picture and said, this is how I am. This is my nature. This is my pattern. There is certain that is visible, and it's huge. But there is an even huger which is invisible. There's a rich in the natural. There is an even richer in the invisible. The invisible holds the visible all together. And it's called the word of Jesus. Or it is the word. It is Jesus. Jesus sustains all things. All things. Dark matter and visible matter. He sustains all things by who he is. It's his nature. How do you interact with this awesome, awesome God? It's through Jesus Christ. Who came and died and made a way where there was no way. And then he said, I'm going to give you part of the invisible. My Holy Spirit. And I'm going to gift it to live inside of your life. So that he takes the ownership, the Holy Spirit takes the ownership of saying, I will bring the awesomeness of the invisible into your visible. What you were powerless to do, he was powerful to do. And he did it through the cross of Jesus Christ. The invisible enormity of God and all his nature and creation has come and decided to call your heart home. 
just get how big that is. The created world is a picture of what his real world is like. Moses built a tabernacle, built a tent and essentially a mobile temple to say this is the picture of heaven. All of creation is a picture of how big God is. And God is saying, I'm going to come in Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1, authority and power, and say, I'm going to brood over your life. Whether it be formless and void, broken or full, I'm going to brood over your life. And that which you call good, I'm going to start to call amazing. Because my nature, says the Lord, is amazing. It's not adequate. It's not good enough. It is amazing. And that God wants to bring the amazing of his supremacy into this place this morning. In Jesus' name. Are you frazzled and frayed? Then he sustains and holds all things together. Are you at the end of yourself? Might just be the end of your living room. It might be at the end of your universe. He's already there. He's already there. In the place that you have never been. He is already there. And he is pulling you. Into his presence. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he has made a way. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, not how the world judges, without blemish, and totally free from accusation. If you're frazzled, if you're afraid, and life's coming apart at the edges, then just say, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you are my big, big God. that your nature in Jesus is to sustain and hold together all things. Lord, hold me together. Hold my marriage together. Hold me together in this illness. Hold me together in my circumstance. Sustain me and hold me together, O Lord. The sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's unrestricted Shekinah glory, the light being, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of the Father's essence.
and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things. Lord, we just jump on the bandwagon. We jump on the roller coaster. Lord, propel me in Jesus' name. If you're at the end of things, declare your trust in the divine. Declare your trust in your loving Abba Father. And Lord, I trust you and I will be drawn into you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.